by giving up the beer, it allowed me as a person to be more, I suppose, predictable in how I face the day, face the weekend, be more productive, experiment with getting up earlier, doing things differently. So that really helped me. And I suppose when I started it out, I've always put together blog posts over the last few years about personal experiences. And the book really started as a blog post. And I put out a, a post to say, hey, I am giving up alcohol for a year. I tend to like share a goal publicly. And that kind of helps me hold myself to more account. And knowing that, you know, a few hundred people might have seen me post on first week of January two years ago to say that I was giving up alcohol. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. Hey, thank you so much, Rob O'Donohue, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you about your book, Dry 18, The Why, How, and What from a Year Without Beer. Thanks so much, Rob, for joining me on the show. Oh, thanks, uh, Aaron. Great to join you on your daily show and talk about this book that I uh, put together. I suppose it wasn't even a originally planned, but it emerged over the course of a year without alcohol, which, uh, which was fun. Which still yeah. is fun, actually. <laughs> well, that's incredible. Are you still are you still on that plan, or yeah, yeah? So basically, dry eighteen stood for dry twenty eighteen, uh, a year where myself and a good friend decided that enough was enough. We wanted to take a bit of time away from alcohol. Now, I'm Irish, but I'm not. I wasn't kind of at, at the point of checking myself into to rehab or anything that extreme. I think those days were well in the past. But um, we kind of figured, you know, the upside of boozing and out having a a busy drink-fueled night or weekend was being outweighed by the negatives, the downside of extra responsibilities and just not feeling great and whatnot. So we said we'd we'd sign up for a year and kind of hold each other to account and see how we got on. And during the course of that year, with so many benefits that came out, we can talk about those. I decided at the end of the year that I'm just going to keep going. And that rolled into 2019 as well. So I did the second year and I'm still, I'm still there. I still haven't, uh, haven't gone back now, but um, yeah, it's been a fun journey. Lots of learnings from it. Huh, awesome. Well, we'll dive more, like you said, into those in just a minute. I guess before I do, I wanted to know if you could tell the uh, audience or let the audience in on, on your life a little bit more, maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work and what you're up to right now. Sure, sure. Happy to do so. So Rob O'Donoghue is my name. Uh, I'm from Ireland. I live in a place called Cork in Ireland, uh, Southern Ireland. I've been I suppose, working in, in IT and multinationals for 20 years and over the last decade or so have been moving more and more into work that I'm really passionate about, helping others achieve 
their own goals within work as as a manager, as a leader, and then I suppose over the last five years or so as a kind of a performance coach, executive coach, whatever type of coach you want to brand it, it's it's really just trying to unlock people's potential and get them to that next level, to that new career, and all of that is what kind of lights me up. And I suppose when I did my own coaching diploma, figured my own stuff out, and you know got to know myself quite well. I got a lot of confidence out of that and it allowed me to try out new things. And that's where my own podcast kind of began about three years ago called uh, my podcast handle is Rob of the Green. So my name is Rob. I'm from Ireland, the Greenpeace. Like uh, that's kind of the, the angle. And then I do a show called 1% Better, which again is about personal professional development, helping people improve, change or improve or both and looking at that from you know small increments not uh setting themselves crazy big goals to be achieved in short time it's really just kind of moving the needle forward bit by bit so yeah i've been doing that for three years as a passion project helps with the coaching helps with certainly building a network getting to know like-minded people like yourself uh good platform for that too yeah incredible yeah and, and congrats for sticking in with it it's uh yeah, podcasting is great. It's been awesome for me to connect with authors like yourself, amazing people from all around the world. Like I, I didn't even ask you before we started that you were uh, where you're at, but uh, we're across the globe from each other. We're still able to have this this amazing conversation. So exactly. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Well, let's dive into your book just a little bit more. You kind of gave us that the a bit of high level overview, kind of how it kicked in, how it started. Your wanting to to give beer a break or alcohol a break and wondered if there was any particular section or chapter of the book that you feel might benefit the listeners the most or what you feel like you got the most from taking that year off. Sure. What was interesting, so by giving up the beer, it allowed me as a person to be more, I suppose, uh, predictable in how I face the day, face the weekend, be more productive, experiment with getting up earlier, doing things differently. So that, that really helped me. And, and I suppose when I started it out, I, I've, I've always put together blog posts over the last few years about personal experiences. And the book really started as a blog post. And I put out a, you know, a post to say, hey, I am giving up alcohol for a year. I tend to like share a goal publicly. Uh, and that kind of helps me hold myself to more account. And knowing that you know, a few hundred people might have seen me post on first week of January two years ago to say that I was giving up alcohol on Twitter and then I didn't want to kind of break that. So that was kind of what gave me a little bit extra impetus to uh, keep going with it. And what was interesting, after about a month or two, when I maybe posted a second blog of, of progress, an alcohol awareness group in the UK picked up on the blog and they wanted me to write a bit more for them and post about my my journey and my experience as I gone as I went through the year. So, so out of that, it started to get its own bit of momentum. And as the year went on, I put together maybe 12, 14 different blog posts from different perspectives, from learnings along the year. And as I got towards the end of the year, I figured, okay, I can assemble this. There's a story here and put it together and formed... Uh, the 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 book I suppose the the yeah. ebook uh, probably is better a better term for it um, and and it helped me develop my writing style and certainly put me in areas that 
I suppose I didn't have the opportunity to before. So figuring out how to put an ebook together, how to publish it, how to, to know the mechanics of all of that was interesting in itself. And then obviously just from doing a, the, the post every month and, and kind of giving a running journal of, of the year and, and what the key takeaways were was, was very interesting. So the really positive parts were knowing that your blog posts and the free book that came out was being read by people that were maybe on the same journey as, as you've just gone on and gave yeah. them some sort of uh, encouragement and a belief that they could do it uh, because you can, you know, if I can do it and you know, I didn't seek any professional help doing it. I just tried to put myself out there and share the story and, you know, there was dark days, there were tough days, there was days where you wanted to go for a beer and whatnot, but, you know, you get through it and, and it's, it's like, you know, anything, set yourself a goal, work towards it bit by bit and uh, and look for help from other people. That, that that really helps as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anything in particular that really helped in those moments that you were feeling like the urge to, to go grab a drink? Anything? Uh, I know this is something probably we all face, whether that's eating or not wanting to do something that would put us towards our goals. Is there anything special that really helped you? I think in the early stages, having my friend also do it with me was important. We were kind of holding, checking in with each other, seeing how you're getting on. Is it, it was, you know, your first week done, your first month done, knowing that you had somebody on the other side of the phone to chat with. It's good. It just gives each other that little bit of extra pressure and, um, just connection. So yeah. as a coach, one of the things I do when, when I get people to sign up to their own goals is to try and identify somebody that they could share that goal with. And it's this shared accountability definitely helps. What was interesting from it, I think one of the big things about two and a half months in was middle of March. And in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is the middle of March, 17th ah, yeah. of March. And that is a traditionally a big day out in Ireland for, you know, for the stereotypical drinking of Guinness and, and whiskey and par- parades and things like that. So I knew that was going to be a big challenge. And it so happened on that day, I had to attend a friend's 40th birthday party <laughs> in, in Ireland that is very renowned for drinking. And there was also a big Irish rugby match on. And there was a lot of factors at play that day that was a really big test to um to try and overcome but but as the day went on and you know the resistance kind of kind of went up and down a little bit i got through it and you know come 10 or 11 o'clock at night and everybody else had been drinking all day and i was completely sober it was time to just do that i think they call it an irish goodbye sometimes and you just leave and don't tell anybody <laughs> about it that was a good milestone to get through you know that that uh gave me more belief again that I could uh, keep going so just things like that you kind of reflect back on and and that made for a very interesting blog post like seven things I learned from the first maybe 100 days and you know it's interesting when when somebody in Ireland maybe asks you do you want to drink and you say no I've um, I'm not drinking for the year they'll they'll automatically think I've had a problem with drinking and you kind of have to follow up and say well no I've just decided not to do this it's like (laughs) decided to stop eating sugar or whatever so it's just funny how the the different cultures have different um perspectives on it but that was good that was interesting one other thing i suppose halfway through the year 
the kind of explosion of non-alcoholic beers have, have really come along in Ireland in the last few years. And um, it's funny, even in Ireland, I was in the US not so long ago and it was difficult to find a non-alcoholic beer. There's less of them in the US as, as, than there is in Ireland, strangely enough. But that uh, there was a new one that came out around that time and I sampled that and that, that was, it tasted a bit like beer, it was, uh, but there was no alcohol in it. So that was kind of a nice kind of comfort blanket in a strange sort of way to, to still maybe have the taste, but not have the effect. So, you know, little things like that jump out as you go along uh, that might be uh, useful to get you, get you through. But yeah, th- there are a couple of things that jump out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congrats on it, man. I, it feels like it's been a, a positive thing for you to, to stay on that path. So, well, I, I wanted to make sure the listeners, readers, really captured what you were trying to do with your book. So if there was just one thing they could take away from reading it, what would you say that would be? Just from the, suppose, the approach of writing it, you know, uh, while I was writing it and getting into the habit of writing regular posts and putting structure on, on either end of it, I, I did read a, a good few books. There's a, a guy called Stephen Pressfield. You might've heard of him or you yeah. might've even have had, had him on the show. And he, uh, I think it's called the, the War of Art, or, or uh, The Art of War, One, I always mix those two up, but it's a book about how to write, and I took some good insights from that, and you know, it's, it's really about just getting the bad stuff out before the good stuff comes along, so writing regularly, I don't think I ever faced writer's block, I, I kind of just said, right, I'm just going to write 500 words here and just get it out, and and then just iterate, and, and you know, know that your first draft is never going to be uh, your final draft. And, yeah. and then just kind of keep the ball rolling. What I tend to do, I get up early in the morning, set myself like 25 minutes to write and, and be strict with that. Uh, I use that kind of Pomodoro technique. You probably heard of that where you can set a, a timer yeah. and just write for those 25 minutes and then leave it five minutes. If you do have you know, more time, go back to it, do it again. And that's a good tool for me to just get stuff out I tend to work better when I have a, a time limit on me as opposed to endless amounts of time and then I can end up meandering in different directions and maybe not being as productive. So that's useful. Maybe read something like uh, Stephen Pressfield's book and be strict with yourself on your approach to, to writing. You know, Give yourself time limits and be prepared to walk away from it because it'll just make you more productive, more focused you know, as, you, as you continue through it. Yeah, great tips. Thank you, Rob, for sharing those. Really appreciate it. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit more about you. I wanted to make sure listeners, well, I'm always curious, I guess I should say, about the the authors I interview and what really has inspired them to write a book, because I, I do believe it's a big accomplishment. So again, congrats on, on yours. And I wondered if you might speak a bit about your influences and who or what has influenced you the most, you feel like, to be who you are today, to be uh, doing performance coaching to be an author and all that you're doing. Mm, yeah, like I think um, over the last twenty years, a lot of influences would have come through through people I work with and and have kind of steered me along the path. You know, definitely as a coach and talk to a lot of people who have managers or leaders that they can't just click with and don't don't gel with, and and sometimes that's you look at that as a negative in the, in the moment, but that's actually a massive positive. You can learn from bad managers nearly better than you can learn from good managers or good leaders, right? So some of the things they do, you 
promise yourself you're never going to do. And, <laughs> yeah. and be, be it as a, as a leader, manager, you know, author, coach, whatever it is, it's just kind of being that aware of, um, of what not to do and that can kind of help you along. So I've had, I'm not going to name any leaders in particularly, I've had a lot of really good leaders that have inspired me to go for my goals and push harder. And maybe at the time I wasn't naturally warming to this person as a leader, but over time looking back, they were really pushing me to be more. They could see that potential and, and that's okay. And then likewise, you could work for a leader that doesn't really care about you as a person or as a, as a potential professional and you can pick up on that and you have to try and look at that as a positive and say okay that's just going to make me more determined more resilient to to push forward and those sort of things come out for me and I always try to keep all those balanced in my own views when I'm when I'm coaching somebody or or helping them try to achieve their goals they're important things personally over the last maybe five or so years the areas of meditation and mindfulness and following kind of experts in that area has helped me massively uh, deal with the work-life balance, stresses, strains, anxieties, and things like that. So I tried to instigate a a daily practice um, of just kind of being a bit more self-aware, a bit more aware of all the mad stuff that's going on inside my head and helping sometimes to write it, write it out. And and that, that is a very useful practice as well. So I interviewed a, a very interesting guy called David G last year on the podcast, and he's a a meditation expert was a, a finance like CFO type leader at one point and then he quit it all and went off and found himself and became big into mindfulness and meditation and now he he kind of combines both he has a very successful mindfulness meditation practice and organization and and seems pretty happy so he's, he's a name that just comes up that um you know you can have both you can be at peace with yourself, know yourself well, you can still be successful on the other side and it's not one or the other, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I could totally relate to the, the different leaders that you spoke about, definitely in, in my career in the corporate world. And, and then, like you said, uh, there's no limitation. Like you don't ever have to just say, I, if you have money, you can't have happiness or you can't have the family, you can't have the health. So I think you can have it all. Like you said, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. Well, I wondered if you might also share a failure because I believe, you know, quote unquote failure, those are a lot of times our biggest teachers, just as you mentioned, the, the leader that may teach you to be more resilient, right? But uh, if there's any other maybe event or what you might have considered a failure in your life, you wouldn't mind sharing with us today, maybe what you learned from it. How long does this podcast run for? Joe uh, <laughs> Rogan, three-hour length here. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. Look, I know it sounds cliche. You know, it's, if you're not failing, you're not learning. Absolutely, it is true, though. You know, and I guess when I think about failure, lots of different things jump up. But one, uh, always an interesting story that I can share that I, I like to talk a little bit about. Yeah. Um, one of the first kind of big mess ups I think I ever had in, in my professional career, maybe 15 years ago, I was a manager at the time. I was working in kind of IT technical, the technical space. And it was a Friday afternoon and I was a, kind of in a rush to get out of the office. And I had to do this kind of decommissioning work of a piece of software. I'll keep it high level. So I, I deleted the wrong computer server effectively. And 
that brought down the email of the company that I was in at the time. So 300 people couldn't work. Wow. Uh, thankfully, it was a Friday afternoon. Thankfully, it was nearly time for them to go home. And they did. They had to go home because there was not, not much else they could do. And that was a big mess up. And I always remember realizing in that moment that, you know, this is my mistake. I have to do something about it straight away. So I went over to my boss and said, look, I think I'm after doing this. I'll work through it and get everything back. And it was probably through pure just stubbornness and determination that I spent the next, you know, 24 to 36 hours working on trying to get everything back to where it was just before I made that, um, you know, mistake or that impulsive click of a mouse button to revert back to, uh, to where, where I was. And, and at the time, I wasn't really thinking about it as a big life lesson or, or something that would stick in my mind. I was just thinking about, geez, I, I have to get it back to, to where it was because people need to work on the Monday morning. But I always remember at the time, not so long after, my, my boss at the time you know, highlighted that as a, as a really character-building um, response you know, and that you've, you've made the mistake. You were willing to put in the hard effort uh, and you owned up to it. You took ownership to to the the mistake, and you know get things back. And it definitely wasn't a career limiting mistake in that company. If anything, it it helped me progress and and move forward. So I think that stuck with me. And there's been lots of others since. But you know sometimes those things that you do make a mistake on, just own up to it as soon as you can, and and you'll get help and and you'll learn from it. I think that's important. Ah, love that story. Thank you for sharing it, Rob. Uh, well, I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything, Rob. So if there was anything else at all you'd like to share, or if there was a question you would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes, what would that be? Well, look, again, thank you for bringing me on. You know, I'm not as probably uh, as an illustrious author as some of your previous dipping my toe in, in the writing game. Um but it was a you know really enjoyable experience, and and the book is on the website, my my website. If if anyone wants to download it for free and just get a perspective on what what it was like, I suppose my own podcast one percent better is is something folks can check in on and and take inspiration from. I talk to people from all different walks of life, all leaders, sport, education, and the areas like meditation, mindfulness, and and, and, and you know they're all there to kind of help people learn a little bit some from that themselves you know i guess that's really kind of the the, the core areas uh, if anyone wants to get in touch they certainly can fo- find me on, on rob of the green dot com or dot ie and to your question can you just ask me that one again what what question would um should you have asked me is it oh i was just saying if you were me and you could ask you a question what question would that be that's difficult um, <laughs> You've already you've already answered it. Uh, it really just kind of lifted open in for you to share your thoughts. If you had any uh, parting thoughts, that's all. I guess the one parting thought, and just one thing, I suppose both of us have in common. I, I know from reading your your website, you know, one of the things that kind of inspired you to make a change is when you had you had Crohn's disease and you've overcome that successfully. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. You know, that's life turning point, I guess, for you. About nine years ago, I got diagnosed with type one diabetes. So it's kind of a you know, not similar, but it's a long-term illness four times a day. That certainly was a turning point for me as well. And, and I think it's interesting, right? Both of us have 
turned a negative into a positive there, right? And, and yeah. I think that's an important message people need to just keep hearing that when dark day comes upon them or something that they think is the end of whatever it was that they had hoped, it, it certainly isn't the case, you know, and, uh, you know, that would be something maybe just to leave on. Yeah, I love that. Love that message. That's definitely the message I like to share as often as I can as well, Rob. Yeah, you can overcome those things. I remember the day I got told I had it uh, and wow, I was like floored, you know, and so now I'm, yeah, just trying to help people and uh, make the world a better place in the end. So it, it feels great to be where I'm at now and uh, it's definitely helped me get there. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Good stuff. Awesome, man. Well, great to have you on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your book and hopefully it inspires others who may want to take some time off of drinking and also all the other great tidbits. Love the name of your podcast. I'll check it out myself. Really appreciate it, Rob. No, thanks again, Aaron. Delighted to be on and best of luck with your show. Good, good stuff. Keep it up. Thank you, man. Yeah. Best of luck with all your, uh, your endeavors in 2020. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. 